time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Yo, what up, y'all? Glad to be able to be back with you all for this installment in our series, The Social Gospel. Thank you so much for rocking out with us this month in June while we've been doing this thing. I want to jump into Matthew chapter 25 after a quick word of prayer. Um, But again, my my hope during this series is that this series has been uh, pushing you, uh, motivating you that Christianity is not a um, is not a religion that we do from the bench. It it is a religion that we do by getting in the game, by engaging. Um, We are supposed to be the force that is changing the world for the better. Uh, And as I have been saying, it is not simply about giving out turkeys at Thanksgiving and toys at Christmas. But it is about help. It is about locking arms, doing the work in society and around the world to create a society where truly the will of the Lord is being done on earth as it is in heaven so that people don't need turkeys at Thanksgiving and they don't need free toys at Christmas because we have a society where there are not people that are uh, uh, vastly under-resourced as we currently have. And so that is what we are to be in the business of doing. And we do that um, through our personal practices, but also through the policies that we support politically. So that, that's been my push this month. And I hope that that has gotten through to you. And I hope that what is on your mind is what can I begin to do as a Christian because of this mandate that I have from Jesus Christ. Let's jump into a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for uh, giving us a chance to uh, hear your word one more time. I pray that you will speak through me to these, your people, uh, in a way that will impact them so that they can impact the world. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Yo, let's look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be reading from verse 34 to verse 40. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. I, I want to talk for a few moments about care for the least of these. Care for the least of these. Pervasive in America is the notion of rugged individualism. Mythological stories, fables, and tales about people who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps abound in the country's telling of its history. It appears that it is an attempt to escape both the reality that we need each other 
and the responsibility that we have for each other. In the shadow of the skyscrapers of our cities, our tent cities sheltering human beings who are homeless. In the midst of what Dr. King called the vast ocean of material prosperity sit many people on a lonely island of poverty. Does the gospel of Jesus Christ have anything to offer to a nation with steep wealth inequality? Does the church have anything to say to a nation that has millions of children who are food insecure and living in poverty? Does the Bible, does the God of justice have anything to say to a nation divided between humane immigration policies and policies that terrorize and criminalize refugees and their children? Like the question that King Zedekiah raised to the prophet Jeremiah, is there any word from the Lord? I want to submit to you that Matthew chapter 25 compels us and charges us that Christians have a mandate and responsibility to care for the so-called least of these in our society. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is sharing what would be some of his final encounters with the disciples. He goes into parables uh, regarding the kingdom of God and the final judgment. In verse 31, he lays out what that final judgment will look like. He says, people will be separated as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. There's an interesting criteria or marker that he says will identify those who will inherit the kingdom of God. He does not call out religious dress or jargon as being uh, what will be the marker of those who will inherit the kingdom. He does not call out church affiliation as being the marker that will identify those who will inherit the kingdom. Instead, he says that it is through acts of charity and social responsibility that people are identified in the judgment as as inheritors of the kingdom of God. And he goes so far as to say that by doing acts of charity for those who occupy what is typically considered that least important rung of society, he says that by doing these acts of charity for them, that we have effectively done those acts for him. It is through this statement that Jesus effectively identifies himself with the poor, with the hungry, with the imprisoned, with the sick and with the immigrant. He says in verse 40, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did this for me. So when I consider the text, I am reminded, first of all, that salvation, first of all, comes with social responsibility. Salvation is not merely about personal piety. Salvation is not merely about conduct. It is about more than that. John records Jesus taking pains during some of his last moments that he was with his disciples. If you'll recall, Jesus saying to them that I want you to love one another. The Bible instructs us to bear one another's another's burdens. The book of Acts depicts the early church as a movement of people that were connected to each other, that were caring for each other, that were even caring for each other to the point of selling their property so that they could get some money so that it could be distributed to anybody that was in need. Paul takes collections from these churches, these Gentile uh, churches all over uh, all over the world as Paul knew it. And he is taking that money hundreds of miles away to Jerusalem to re- relieve the famished 
Jewish Christians that are in Jerusalem. We see throughout the New Testament that steeped in the Christian foundation is this this issue for caring and having compassion for others. Let me say this secondly, private faith must result in public charity. What I love about this parable that Jesus provides is that it implicates those of us who would attempt to keep our faith private. It suggests that faith can never simply be between oneself and God, but that faith must also include the way that we treat each other, the way that we care for each other, the way that we engage with other people. In short, a change in one's belief ought to result in a change in one's behavior toward other human beings. It results in providing care for those who are food insecure. It results in providing care for those who are without adequate housing. It results in providing care for the immigrant and those who have been imprisoned. Our private faith must result in public charity. I recall my pastor saying these words when I was growing up that any religion that is not pocket deep is not heaven high. Thirdly and finally, this text makes me consider that God will judge our piety based on our policies. Verse 40 says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Yeah, as participants in a democratic society where the government is by the people and for the people, let me say to you that we are responsible not only for how we personally engage with the least of these, but we're also responsible for how the policies we we support treat the least of these. There are some who will wish to wash away their guilt by simply making donations to the poor, but at the same time voting against the policies that could lift them out of poverty. That there are some that will adopt children from, from foreign countries yet reject humane immigration policies for the families seeking to make America their new home. There are some who will donate food to the homeless or serve at soup kitchens on Thanksgiving, but won't support policies aimed at addressing homelessness. Let me say to you that God will judge us for the policies that we support. He will judge us for the ways in which we leverage our power within this democracy to care for the least of these. As I close, I'm reminded of Dr. King's final speech. In it, he spoke about the story of that good Samaritan. He said he imagined that the Levite who passed by without helping the man that was wounded on the side of the road asked the question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed that question and asked, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? It is this level of selflessness. It is this ability to see and to care for the humanity that is in other individuals. That is the hallmark of Christianity. Your personal Bible study and, and devotional time and things like that alone, those will not do it. Our Christian faith must be exercised and it must be evidenced by the way that we do, as Jesus said, that we care for the least of these.